Today we're continuing our talk about housing and what is in the Biden-Harris Lift Every Voice plan. It's going to be a good one. This is Lessons, Lessons from, from the, from the from Screen. screen. John Boy. John Boy. Welcome to Lessons from the Screen, the show where we give you a review of whether or not any information that you get from any particular screen of any particular kind is worth your time. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to. And Lessons from the Screen, as always, is sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist, advocacy, and think tank organization with the purpose of increasing the quality of life of black people in America through education, coachship, and economics. You should check them out at paxinc.org. That's www.paxinc.org. Paxinc.org. Leave a review, leave a comment, leave a donation, tell a friend to tell a friend, check out the Learning Center, read a book, do whatever you can to help them because they are doing whatever they can to help you. And we have a couple of sections that we are going to get to in this show. So let's go ahead and get into it. So we're actually going to start with a section that we meant to cover last show, but I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but it didn't make it in last show. And again, I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but we're going to double back. We're going to cover that section and then we're going to move forward with the sections in order of in the order that they are in the plan. So the section that we missed was to protect homeowners and renters from abusive lenders and landlords through a new homeowner and renter bill of rights. And here Biden talks about a bill of rights which would prevent mortgage brokers from doing things that harm people looking for a mortgage like leading them into loans that cost more than appropriate or leading them into trap loans or things of that nature it would also prevent the advancement of foreclosures when the homeowner is in the process of receiving a loan modification and allow homeowners the opportunity to sue lenders and services that violate the protections but it's spoken of more as an i wish than an i will and it also doesn't indicate any specifics for black people in the situations we face regarding home ownership and things of that nature so also and i kind of harp on this a lot and i'm kind of keep going to harp on this as president let's be clear he doesn't have no president has legislative authority they don't have legislative ability and this is something else that is going to require legislative activity in order to bring it to fruition. So how much faith you put in things like this coming from any presidential candidate, not Joe Biden or Donald Trump, any presidential candidate should be kept to a minimum. So I gave this section a D. It's not going to hurt anything, but it's not going to help anything either. It is what it is. That's if. He could even get it to pass. So moving on, we're talking about the strengthening and expanding the Community Reinvestment Act to ensure that our nation's banks and non-bank financial service institutions are servicing all communities. Now, this section makes reference to the Community Reinvestment Act, which is a piece of legislation passed back in 1977 that requires federal banking agencies to assess the institution's record of meeting the credit needs of its entire community that means everybody in the service area and to take those records into account in its evaluation of it of an application for a deposit facility 
by the institution. Now, the CRA, as it is known, the Community Reinvestment Act, issues evals of banks that are FDIC insured once every three years and gives a rating based on their performance in every area that they have local branches. Now, the rating system is a four-tier system. Outstanding, satisfactory, needs to improve, and substantial non-compliance are the ratings. Uh, and that that those scores and the, the write-ups, the scores, the reviews, the ratings are published on a public database that can be searched on the internet. And just for fun's sake, I searched the database and found that 77,000 banks are included in the database are financial institutions. Uh, 11,000 were outstanding, 63,000 were satisfactory, 2,500 needed to improve, and 239 were substantially non-compliant. Now, need to improve and substantially non-compliant evals prevent the institution from opening new branches, merging, or acquiring another, another bank. And all this is done with the goal of encouraging banks to service and lend to low and middle income communities. It is an attempt to stop redlining. However, the problem presented by the Biden plan is that it, fintechs and non-bank lenders are not included in the CRA and that the Trump administration has proposed changes to the program, such as having the CRA exam every five years instead of every three and exempting small banks, those with less than $500 million, which accounts for 85% of all banks from the exam altogether. So those are the things that Biden says are what's wrong, what's currently wrong with the CRA and what Trump is going to do to make things worse. Now the changes the Trump administration have also proposed would essentially destroy the restrictions to redlining by allowing large banks to still receive packs and scores even if they don't fulfill the mandate to give to lower and middle income communities. And Biden says that he will expand the CRA to apply to mortgage and insurance companies and require financial services institutions to provide a statement outlining their commitment to the public interest and closing loopholes that allow institutions to avoid lending and investing in all communities. Now, he doesn't mention how he will close the current loopholes. Again, that seems like it's a legislative thing um, that are allowing companies to receive passing grades while still redlining. But the public nature of reports and grades is something that is valuable to the community. And with that being said, the changes that the Trump administration is proposing for the program would have an ill effect on the program so and it stands to reason that if trump is re-elected the changes that his administration is proposing to the program to the act would be pushed through and this falls in line with one of those things that the trump administration is doing that isn't getting a lot of fanfare that a lot of people don't know about, but it's having a negative impact on the community. And Biden, as I've repeatedly said during this whole thing, this report, this plan of his does a pretty good job of showcasing all of the harm done by the Trump administration. What it doesn't really do a good job of is talking about how he is going to mitigate or reverse or change or make things better specifically for black people which this thing is supposed to be for so i give it a c because it would do some good 
especially in that it would negate the damage that is being done but it's not something that i'm excited about or that i would stand up and say he's doing this for black people so moving on we're talking about what the plan is talking about increased access to affordable housing and then we get into how biden is going to expand the supply of affordable housing with two steps the first step is establishing a 100 billion dollar affordable housing fund to construct and upgrade affordable housing now in this section the biden plan refers to making investments in two programs that will improve affordable housing according to the biden plan one is the home program which is a program that provides funding to states and local governments to build housing for low and very low income americans this also includes tenant-based rental assistance housing rehabilitation home buyers assistance and new home construction now the funds can be used in other ways as well such as site acquisition and improvements demolition relocation and other necessary and reasonable activities related to the development of non-luxury housing and the funds may not be used for public housing development public housing operation costs section 8 tenant-based assistance to provide non-federal non-federal matching contributions for other federal programs or any activities under the low income housing preservation act and 90 percent of the families benefiting from this program with regards to rental housing must have incomes at or below 60 percent of the area median income and the remaining 10 percent must have incomes at or below 80 percent of the area median income and homeowners assistance uh, must be limited to families with income at or below 80 percent of the median income now the problem with the home program in my opinion and you're entitled to have yours and you're entitled to disagree with me but the problem with the home program is that it's not a publicly run operation as i discussed earlier private cooperatives sound nice but the culture of and when i yeah, let me go back when I said as I discussed earlier, I was talking about as I discussed in earlier shows, not earlier in this show. So moving forward, private cooperatives sound nice, but the culture of America is such that people don't really want to help others so much as they want to help themselves. And there simply isn't a big enough margin in helping low income individuals into homes to spur that type of activity in the private sector, maybe in a nonprofit sector, but you would need to donate much more money. Uh, and, and you would need to remove the multiplier, the multiplier effects requirements, um, but not in the private sector. And for all the money the government puts into trying to get businesses to support low income housing, only to have those funds redirected through loopholes, they could just build the damn houses themselves, which brings me to what is, in my opinion, the biggest problem with this program, which is that it excludes people on public assistance. I don't <laughs> how do you have a program for people with low income but make it so that people that are already engaged in low income programs public assistance make it so that they can't utilize the funds and for that matter those funds need to be routed through the people that need the assistance and not through the companies that build the homes or managing the properties in order to open access to more communities because that way the stigma of getting government assistance can be prevented 
by being hidden as sad as that is to say it has to be hidden the moment these people and we've seen this before i talked about this in the last show the moment people in higher to middle middle to higher income areas find out that section 8 vouchers are being used in their area they protest they don't want that stuff in their community they feels like it lowers their housing value they feel like it invites an individual into their community that is not of their class that doesn't deserve to be there and that's the root of the problem in my opinion it's not even about the housing values coming down it's about the fact that people are in these communities that the people that are currently in these communities don't want to be there they don't feel like these people are of the same class the same quality to live next door to them to live in the same community as them they don't feel like their children are of the same stock as their children so that is the fundamental problem and that can't be solved by private cooperatives that encourage affordable housing in mingled areas now i understand why the block is in place to maybe prevent double dipping of corporations and to prevent various other things from occurring but it makes no sense you should probably in my opinion you should consolidate all of these programs into one program make it simple make it easier to navigate give it the combined resources of all the programs and do more good that way that's just my opinion though and my opinion is a lot more nuanced than that but i try to keep the shows somewhat brief um but the next program in the plan talks about expanding the capital magnet fund which is another fund for low-income families in much the same vein as the home program except it does this through awarding funds to financial institutions who are expected to take the grant award and produce 10 times that amount in housing and community development investments now the hope in this program is that financial institutions will use the capital to spur to spur development in low-income communities through risk mitigation funding risk mitigated funding now the interest the interesting thing about this is that Nonprofits can also get grants for this. So there is a bit of room for creativity and creating services and meeting the requirements, but there's still nothing in any of these programs that directly addresses the challenges black people face in finding homes. And I will continue to point to the fact that this entire thing was placed under the heading. It, it like the link is literally backslash black America. And a lot of these solutions are minority focused. They're everybody focused. And black people in America have very specific and nuanced challenges that we face that you can't solve if you try to lump us in with everybody else. All of the other minority groups, some of them have their own unique challenges that, well, everybody has their own unique challenges. But sometimes trying to do something for all of the groups at once ends up leaving the black community specifically because that's who we're talking about left out in the cold with nothing to show for it our history in this country is different from the history that these other groups face in this country so if you truly want to do something for black people and claim that you've done something for black people it needs to be specifically designed for black people Again, and I've said it every show thus far, this whole rising tide lifts all boats narrative doesn't work when there's a hole in your boat and it's anchored to the ocean floor. What you're going to do is drown us all. And that's what's been happening. 
that is what's been occurring gentrification continues so i give that a d moving on so the next thing that he's going to do in his plan to increase affordable housing is to provide tax incentives for constructing the construction of more affordable housing in communities that need it most now this section of the plan once again talks about making an expansion to two programs the first is the low-income housing tax credit which is according to some the site that this plan references the most important resource for creating affordable housing in the u.s today and this plan was created by the tax reform act of 1986 and gives tax credits for the acquisition rehabilitation and new construction of rental housing targeted to lower income households so take everything i said above and copy and paste it here there you go and then you have the neighborhood homes investment act which biden says will help develop re and rehabilitate single-family homes across distressed urban suburban and rural neighborhoods and this bill is not a law it is a bill i'm just a bill and i'm sitting here on capitol hill wow it was introduced in 2019 from by the democrat from new york i forget his name and i didn't look it up but anyways it would establish a new business related tax credit to finance home building and rehabilitation in certain neighborhoods based on poverty rates income and home values now it is not a long read but it also isn't a law yet so i'll save my analysis of it for when it becomes law if it becomes law because 80 to 90 percent of bills don't become law but suffice it to say that i disagree with the approach that the democrats have taken with regards to improving access to affordable housing and i think that their approach has been shown to be ineffective private partnerships with corporations and construction companies are not the answer private partnerships with people is the government needs to either directly get involved in building and maintaining low-income housing or they need to issue direct cash to people that need that type of assistance and preferably they need to do both now again i'm simplifying what i would do my plans on the matter like how i would go about doing all of this but I would not take the approach that they're taking by trying to do direct business with, with financial institutions and construction companies and rental management companies and all of these other places in order to provide you know access to housing for people because those people don't have the incentive to do it. They don't. They, there's no market margin there that's going to make them do it because the margins for building high-income neighborhoods and communities are just so high it's so large it's so much bigger and the market follows the margins wherever there are bigger margins that's where the dollars the private dollars are going to going to flow that's where they're going to exist because money wants to make more of itself and people like when money does that so i disagree with this whole approach um so i gave this section a d as well and the final topic we're going to hit on for today, the last point, uh, the last section, if you will, is to protect homeowners during the COVID-19 crisis. And in this section, the plan points to the fact that banks are raising mortgage borrowing standards during the pandemic, making it harder for people to buy homes. It points specifically to an article highlighting JP Morgan Chase, 
who back in April changed the standards requiring a credit score of at least 700 and a down payment equal to 20% of homes, which was definitely stricter standards than what they had. Um, and Joe Biden says he will stop that from happening, although he doesn't mention in this plan how he would do that. He does link to his Joe Biden housing plan, which has some stuff in there about how he's going to protect people and ensure that people can get access to housing. Specifically to this point, I think this is a specific use case scenario we're talking about uh, during the pandemic, specifically as laid out by him. I don't know that and it's again it's not something that's specific to black people so i don't know that i give him any real credit for this whatsoever like all of the other points even the ones i gave him a d on it was kind of like all right i could i could see how it could benefit black people but from the frame of reference of something specific for black people it's not that and so that was my approach right like that's how i viewed it in the case of this i don't even really see how like without more details this might as well be um you know just a statement put in here there's no real details in here about what he's gonna do how he's gonna do it what the potential outcome is or even if any other banks were doing it so it's kind of hard for me to give him anything on this because in a document that's very well cited and sourced and is very thorough about what he wants to do this point sticks out because there's there's nothing here if there is something in the housing plan that does cover this it should have been placed here as well instead of having people you know trying to get people to click all over your site black people are interested in what you're going to do for black people so if there's anything in the housing plan that's going to be beneficial to black people it should have also be in the black people plan that's just the way that goes that's how i would have done it if i was you know working on this working on his site working on working with him on his site but let me know what you think let me know how you feel about what's been put into this plan let me know if you agree with my points or if you feel like i'm missing certain things or if you feel like you know i'm totally wrong and i'm clueless whatever you feel definitely let me know in the comments below you could also email me at patrick at freedomtrainnetwork.com and remember to share the video with your friends and family and all of that stuff because yeah it's an awesome show i know it is so tell people and i will see you next well i can't i keep saying that because it's a habit i will not see you next week i will see you later this week on saturday when i drop another show this is Lessons, Lessons from, from the, from the from Screen. screen. John Boy. So once again, I want to thank you guys for listening and supporting. Remember to share the shows with your friends, with your families, have conversations, and have conversations with me as well. Give me feedback on what you think about the shows. Definitely the place that you can find all of the shows is going to be the Freedom Train website, www.freedomtrainradio.com. Look for the Lessons from the Screen tab. Be sure to support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash LFTS. 
and you can find some of the videos that we're going to be dropping on YouTube on the Freedom Train Network's YouTube channel. You can also support us by going and purchasing the book, The Chasm by Patrick Irvin. You can find it on Amazon or you can find it on the, my personal website, www.patrickbirvin, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-K-B-I-R-B-I-N-E.com. You'll find The Chasm there. Um, definitely support us. You can reach me always through internet or through email, Patrick at freedomtrainnetwork.com and be sure last but not least be sure to go to the google play store if you have an android device and get that freedom train network app and that'll give you access to all of the shows up to date you don't have to search you don't have to you get automatically notified and that is the best way to support us and stay in touch with us Definitely check the website if you are interested in becoming a podcaster, if you are a black podcaster that already has a show or is interested in joining the network, we'll take you even if you don't want to join the network, you can definitely go to the website and submit and we are anxious and looking forward to and excited to work with you. Catch you guys on the next show.